Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today we're talking with Tyler A.C. of the Tisberries. We talked about Spoon's third album, Girls Can Tell, and learning to find success on your own terms. We also talk about learning to be your authentic self and knowing when to push outside your comfort zone in order to grow as a musician. Tyler's band, the Tisberries, recently released their newest album, the amazingly titled Exile on Main Street. Check that out right now, wherever you stream music. Also, don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Tyler. Hey, Tyler, how's it going? Good, Josh. Thank you so much for having me on, and a uh, big fan of the podcast, so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm happy to have you. Uh, well, today, we are talking about Spoon's album, Girls Can Tell, that came out in 2001. It's their third album that came out on Merge Records, and it sold around 100,000 records. But what I'll ask is, when was the first time you've listened to Spoon or this album? Um, Spoon, I, the first time I heard Spoon, I think it was around 2009. I was probably a freshman in high school. Um, and I think a, a girlfriend I had at the time maybe put them on, put the underdog on a mix for me. So, uh, that was the, probably the first song I heard by them. And that was kind of the time that I was like evolving out of listening to like the classic rock that I was raised on by, my dad, like, Beatles and Stones and Dylan and stuff and started listening to, like, I remember back then being like, oh, there's no, like, modern music that's good. Just, I feel like I had that imprinted on my brain from my dad. And then around that time, like, you're like 13 or 14 is when you start hearing bands that resonate with you, um, like Spoon and The Strokes. And so that whole kind of world opened up for me around that time. And, um, yeah. No turning back. I I don't know. Spoons. This this record was actually later. I feel like I heard. Gaga 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 was like my f- entryway, and then I kind of fanned backwards and forwards along with them. So, yeah. Yeah, I I'm trying. I can't really think of which the first one it was that I listened to, but for some reason I feel like I'm like I don't know if I've ever listened to this record before this. <laughs> And I feel like I've listened to a decent amount of Spoon records, but I guess for some reason I never went back this far. It is, it kind of is like the first, like, real Spoon album. Like, it kind of feels like Mm -hmm. their first album in a way because those first two don't sound like this band that we feel like we've known for, like, over 20 years now. So it's pretty amazing that this, um... I I I'm so like enamored with like how catalogs progress when it comes to bands and like um mm-hmm. this one just comes at such an interesting time in their in their career that uh it is like kind of early and it's like the first of those merge records where it goes on to um Kill the Moonlight and uh yeah. Give Me Fiction and Gaga so um 
it's the beginning of phase two for Spoon, I feel like, which is a really interesting. And that's why I wanted to talk about this one over, um, I don't know, some of the other ones. This is my favorite Spoon album. And it's, I feel like it's something that's like kind of debated all the time because they are so consistently great over the years. And they're always considered, what, the like the most consistent rock band, yada, yada. I forget. But um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there is a, there's like a, universe where i feel like they should have been like a bigger band yeah um and it's like they are still a big mm-hmm. band i said a hundred thousand records sold yeah. but it's like their electro record you know uh which you know led into this yeah. one i feel it's like a big conversation between the second and the third and like why it even exists mm-hmm. uh, like i always kind of what i'm meaning to say is when i first heard a spoon or like first kind of realize who they were like i had heard their songs and whatnot i had not really associated them so much with like merge records because still to me uh merge records was like more not punk in a way like punk in quotes Mm -hmm. like yeah like super chunk i guess you know it's yeah super chunk and so like (laughs) spoon always felt like a band that kind of like uh Frat dudes with like hmm. a better taste in music, like okay, yeah, is you know is what I did, yeah, you know, what I you know, and I think eventually like one of my friends was like, no, I think you'd really like mm-hmm. them, you know? like it's just it didn't come at me as a punk band, yeah, they and so yeah. it just wasn't in that orbit for me. They operate in like kind of no man's land of where it's like mm-hmm. kind of between that, like I guess the the frat dude rock like like black keys is that kind of what you're you're getting at with that i think it could yeah. i think it could fit that could be i mean i i, I don't feel the same way as this anymore yeah so I don't yeah really, it's kind of hard to think it's just i'm i just know what i would have thought like when i was starting college mm-hmm. or whatever you know yeah. like so it's like i you know it's hard to kind of like what where did i put certain things but i think black keys would be an appropriate place yeah that I and it's put it in my it, mind. It, yeah it's between the 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 merge punk in quotes, super chunk stuff, but it's also yeah. like he's drawing from so many different things, like Wire and Pixies and the Beatles and the Kinks. So it's like they don't really sound like anyone. Like they sound like Spoon, and this I feel like is the first album where Spoon sounds like Spoon, which is really cool. Um, and the yeah, like um, I'm trying to think of Cage the Elephant. Is that like a, a frat guy rock band? I'm I'm curious what you mean by that. I think that's definitely I think that's definitely like more on the far end of yeah. it. But I think that essentially, in my mind, I feel like this is what I I would try and imagine myself in like 2009, mm-hmm. maybe thinking like, okay, so if someone was into Cage the Elephant, there maybe their more connected friend would be like, if you like Cage the Elephant, you'll like Spoon. Yes, and though that's not completely accurate, it's not not accurate yeah and i think like in a way it is like i always like think of i don't know it's like a circle thing but i I always just think of like kind of music in like two bubbles yeah so i always think like it's like the big bubble i guess at the top it would be like every huge rock yes it's not really a good analogy and then i think of like people that kind of came from kind of an underground yeah and so sometimes you kind of get to the point of like you grow out of the bubble okay but then you're just in kind of the bottom of the other bubble. Yeah. And Spoon, and you'd say it's Spoon really... is in the bottom of the other bubble. Well, see, that's where it's a bad analogy. Because <laughs> I, I, I think it's interesting that 
and I'm guessing, I, I don't really know. And once again, I'm like a full grown adult. So this stuff doesn't really mean that much anymore. I'm just trying to think about my mindset when I was like, whatever age that was. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that maybe, do you feel like you had like a big punk era, like growing up? Not really. I was like, like I said, classic rock. And then it was like mm-hmm. mid 2000s indie rock. Like I f- feel like the whole, I mean, I didn't watch the OC, but like all those bands, like Str- uh, Death Cab, Spoon, Strokes, like those were my punk bands, even though they weren't like underground bands. I mean, to me, they were underground bands because like no one yeah. else in my, my high school, my suburban high school listened to any of that. I don't even know what they were listening to. They were listening to what was ever on the radio. So these were my underground bands and that's what like I always turned turned back to and listened to. Um, yeah, I, I feel like sometimes with the example, what I think of is like I have friends that I feel like they liked like Muse or even like big era Radiohead. Yeah. And then they kind of got to like Modest Mouse and then I went through like power violence and like yeah. then you know like other just rock and then got to modest mouse so if we met at modest mouse they were coming at it from a different angle yeah i was probably and so coming eventually from i the, got yeah not muse specifically yeah. but the maybe it was yeah it was the beatles to to spoon to modest mouse and then then i got to like super chunk and i just keep i'm now i just go down i'm not quite yeah, at power yeah, violence yeah. yet but maybe i'll get there one day <laughs> yeah maybe um but that's that's kind of where the circle. So it's not really it's not always like a a hierarchy like mm-hmm. you have to kind of climb and succeed kind of thing. It's probably like two things existing and then it's the Venn diagram between yeah. them. Or it could just be kind of open in your mind in mm-hmm. just both ways. You know, it's like it doesn't it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Uh, but all that to say, like I felt like that's where I put spoon in my head. Mm-hmm when I was younger that they were like, I, I was, I felt like confused that they were on merge. Like when I really started digging in, cause I was just like, I thought this was like a radio rock band yeah. <laughs> since the way that I felt like people talked about them. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like with all of that, it's like, it's hard to say that with like looking at like the merge records mm-hmm. book that I kind of mentioned to you afterwards. It's like, no, nah, these guys have like, you know punk backgrounds yeah you know? totally it's just, you know it's funny that like i feel like sometimes like punk as a kid felt so eye-opening yet kind of in hindsight a lot of it was pretty close-minded mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know um uh so i guess getting back to your personal experience yeah. with it though like so just kind of i guess you're in high school yeah and you hear and then like what does it do for you? Does it just kind of like stick in your brain and you just leave it or did it send you on a journey? I Yeah, I think it was just like it sent me on that like sense of discovery too where it's like, oh, so I hear ga 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 by Spoon. I become obsessed with Spoon. And then at this point I was starting to go into record stores and like, oh, I'd want to find used CDs of like, what was the one before that? So you go and you'd find Gimme Fiction and then Kill the Moonlight and then progressively backwards and then you end up at this one and you're like oh my god this this one totally like blows my mind so um i mean they all blow they're all so good so i can't even um go i don't know yeah if you're comparing them all why because so this wasn't the first one you heard right no it it was probably ga 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 which is like an unbelievable record and uh i'm a big fan but this one 
I think it's just this one's the most interesting one to talk about, and I think this is the one I go back to the most to listen to, and um, it kind of meets in that Venn diagram, like, inflection point that you mentioned, mm-hmm. where it's kind of, they were on the brink, like, the brink of something that they could have been, like, a huge rock band, but I feel like their tastes and their their choices are so weird and specific that that was never going to happen. Um, cause I feel like Britt Daniel is like, not that he's incapable of writing like a massive pop song, but like he would never want to. So he's, I don't know. They're, they're an artist band, which was why I love them so much. Yeah. Before we started this, I, 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 I know I'm going to mention this book a lot, but so there's this book, our noise, the story of merge records. So it's, I've had it for a while. Mm-hmm. Like it's a probably over 10 year old book. And I remember it having a spoon section because yeah. this was probably around the time that I was like reevaluating them in my mind and really like digging through the catalog of Merge Records and reviewing that like that chapter on Spoon was kind of interesting to see them kind of ant- antithesis of like what I made them in my mind yeah. because there's a sto- there's a story of like like they would get flown out to Electra. And then they would just decide to like take a bus back mm-hmm. or like even go there because they were like, they knew that that was going to be billed back to them. Oh my God. Yeah. So they were like pitching, pinching pennies on Electra. It's, and Electra <laughs> was like, you know, like, oh, that's like basically were like, oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is the late 90s, right? So it was like kind of, you're like getting up to like the brink of how much labels are willing to spend on bands, right? Like I feel mm-hmm. like the uh, the late '90s considered like the the biggest CD boom, where it's just like the labels are making X like so much, so much money, right? Yeah, I think it's probably in hindsight it probably was the last big era, but I think that like I don't know if people I think people that whole era still kind of like exist until about 2005 yeah. potentially. Mm-hmm. Just be, but it's it's like the just bubbles about people, to burst, like, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like they 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 just refuse to see it coming. Yeah. Oh, totally. But it's like the writing's probably on the mm-hmm. wall by that. Point, yeah, like you know, the that, internet like starting. This digital technology. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So it, it is crazy. I was listening to an interview with Britt Daniel, and he was talking about how like broke he was after the Electra thing, and um, they got dropped in '98, I guess, like right after Series of Sneaks came out, and um. He, they, I guess they just spent the, these next two years just working on these songs in Jimino's garage. Just, I mean, they sound super raw and they sound like, I mean, Series of Sneaks still kind of sounds like crap, um, in yeah. a fun kind of garage rock way. So it's insane to me that a major label like major label like Electra even put it out. I'm so far. Yeah, I, I guess that. with if if we're thinking of this is in the time frame of like. I don't know the strokes or whatnot. Yeah. Then it's still it could work, mm-hmm. but but I I still assume that those records still cost a crazy amount of money. I'm, you know, I mean, this one sounds like a series of sneaks. Sounds like a guided by voices album. It sounds like it was spent. They spent like a six pack to make it in a four track. It's wow. Um, yeah, but it's so amazing to me. I always think about this because. Um, like Ween was on Electra in nineteen in the nineties, so yeah. it's so funny that a band like Spoon can only sell like fifteen thousand records, and like Ween 
puts out the mollusk like a year later and it sells like a hundred thousand records and i don't know it's just like they're so vastly different bands that were operating in the same sphere I, i'm just pretty amazed by that yeah i mean i think like i mean it's hard to say like if the ween thing would have like worked without the support of a label but i feel like so it's so it's all like hindsight mm-hmm. it's like i feel like ween as a band kind of well a lot like grateful dead and that i don't think they were super concerned with making like a good sounding record it's almost like it's just like people will come see us live yeah it's, it's like a business card to come see us it's live a, like it's grateful dead always kind of yeah. had that mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like spoon <laughs> It's like Spoon doesn't have that like cult personality that kind of allows for people to like want to be in the club. They didn't. You know? They didn't at the time, right? Yeah. Like in '98, like they got shotgunned to this major label, and the record underperformed. Yeah, and it's interesting to think of like them kind of starting out because it's so like, like God, because they weren't like that young starting this band mm-hmm. like i i believe what brit daniel's probably like 50 something now yeah i think he, they were like mid-20s and then by the time girls mm-hmm. can tell comes out he's like in his late 20s so he's like 29 he's like hitting 30 i'm pretty sure which is yeah another reason why i like this album because it feels like a, a late 20s like like you're kind of fighting the incoming adulthood which i feel like yeah. is part of this the theme of this I think that what's funny about like personally as getting older, it's like the the kind of goalposts keep like kind of going up mm-hmm. to the kind of things. Eventually, I'll just be like, "Well, this blues guy yeah. made it at seventy five, yeah, yeah." So you know, there's still hope there for me. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, the uh, you know, guitarist of Black Flag, like he was like thirty before they really started, right? and it's like, yeah. you know, it's like uh, Art from Everclear was <laughs> you know like thirty something it's like and it's like i'm running out of i gotta start finding yeah people it's like oh james you know, murphy this person. right yeah yeah but it's you start i mean i i think there's like an allure of that mm-hmm. too like that kind of story that goes yeah. along with like a band like but it just kind of i feel like punk allows sometimes to kind of allows to have like a subculture along with it mm-hmm. and it's like since spoon isn't a punk band in that way Mm -hmm. it sounds like they you know from the book and from all the stories and interviews that they just like couldn't find their people yeah like on an organic touring sense because they were like putting the time in on the road Mm -hmm. yeah but it's like they were not finding their people like touring and i i think that doesn't happen until the mid-2000s because that like they kind of predated the strokes right so this album comes yeah. out before is this it and like the strokes kind of kick off that 2000s indie rock that Spoon has been playing for like 8 years right so yeah. like guided by voices like that's that's kind of where i feel like Spoon and Pixies wire like that kind of punk rock which is like not really punk rock it's garage meets yeah. melody stuff so <laughs> power pop as as you'd say sometimes but even though spoon mm-hmm. is not a power pop band but um just like that tradition of like basically writing crappy sounding beatles songs which i've realized in my my old age is really what i gravitate to now so um and that's spoon's really good at that is writing like garage rock versions of beatles songs 
Yeah, I and I guess that's another kind of piece of the puzzle that I didn't really consider is that I think by the time I got around to listen to Spoon, like the Strokes had already gone big, mm-hmm. like really oh, big yeah. SNL and everything. Yeah. And so I think I had kind of placed them in that when in a way, and I don't really have any way to prove this, but it's kind of something you said. It's like potentially bands like Spoon or Spoon themselves were kind of like, I guess if we look at like grunge as an example, mm-hmm. like after grunge kind of hits big, yeah. then you kind of get labels finding versions of that. Mm-hmm. So if at like a pre whatever that era is, pre-strokes era, mm-hmm. then it's like those bands weren't really like hitting so far yet yeah. in the way that the Strokes did. And so it kind of would take like labels to kind of like find their own version of it. Not even really like create it. I don't want to take that away from the Strokes, yeah. but it's like, so in a sense, if we're looking at a timeline, then like Guided by Voices and more so Spoon mm-hmm. kind of hit off that, even if no one really considers that they do. Yeah, so like you're saying if there was like a band that sounded like Nirvana that existed, I guess the Pixies would be that, but like sounded like well, Nirvana yeah. like five years before Nirvana. Yeah, Pixies is kind of the better example yeah. for that because I feel like it's hard. I mean, it's like, but if you look back at it, it's like they didn't really get the respect they needed at the time exactly. that they were around. Yeah. And then essentially the next generation of it comes like, around. This is our favorite. Then, this is why we started a band is because we loved this band. Yeah. Yeah. So it could have been Spoon mm-hmm. or it's bands like Spoon yeah. that kind of did that and they don't get the credit and they'll always be, I mean, to us, if you sell 300,000 records, that's insane. Yeah. But, like, in this era, because, you know, Girls Can Tell sells 100,000 mm-hmm. records. Well, this is when they sold 100,000 yeah. records. Before that, like you said, like, what, 15,000? And from the book, the Matador label or record that they put out, I don't know how many copies. I think they said, like, 3,000. But I assume yeah. that number's gone up a bunch, yeah. you know, since. But it wasn't good. So all that to say, like, I guess I was looking at it backwards. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh they're they're an interesting like I said it's a weird no man's land band. I just I just think that he writes great songs and nothing no he doesn't really sound like his voice is really what I think always sticks with me too is because I no one sings or sounds like him really. Like I guess you could be like oh he he sings like John Lennon sometimes but I as I think his voice and his choice of words um are really what like have stuck with me over I don't know however long yeah. I've listened to this band. It's interesting cuz I feel like there's certain parts that he kind of, and I hate to say this it feels so basic but there's like parts in songs where I'm like feels like he's kind of doing a Kurt Cobain thing but I can't imagine it's Kurt Cobain that he's lifting from so it's got to kind of be somebody else yeah like there's certain songs where there's that grit where it's like i think if i were younger i'd be like is he ripping off kurt cobain Mm -hmm. but i'm like i don't think that's where he's pulling it from it's just yeah i don't know and i I don't think i don't think anyone would ever be like oh they're ripping off nirvana because they're like not at all like it's not even really close yeah i think he's he's ripping from like a couple different like i bet you cobain was part of it and just because that like mid-90s thing but there's something like guttural or like like that old kind of garage rocky vibe like 60s stuff that i mean i was there's a really good um 
uh, oral history uh, that I about girls can tell that. So I actually interned at. Do you know Magnet Magazine? Yeah. Um, I interned at Magnet Magazine in their Philly-based music mag. I used to get them in my local record store when magazines used to be in print, and um, I interned there in college. And uh, I was like on their website team and would just like. Uh, I don't know, format things for the website and like run their WordPress and everything. And uh, this was one of the stories that uh, I helped them with. And um, it's like a whole oral history young girls can tell. And it's really, really amazing. And uh, they'd like go into like all the like, like specific little influences he was pulling from, which was like Elvis Costello, um, Get Happy. And like even for like that going to like Motown stuff. So there's like this element of like the Motown, Phil Spectory, I don't know, garage music, pop, like OG pop music that um I feel like is like ingrained in, in the spoon DNA too, which I like super gravitate to. Yeah, yeah, I read that. I read that piece. I think it it kind of goes into some of the stuff that the book does too. But it's interesting to kind of see like the same stories. It's almost like a Rashomon mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Like just slightly different viewpoints of like the same situation because it's in the merge book. It allows for uh, Lafitte is the guy's name, mm-hmm. uh, and they did the the single yeah. with Saddle Creek that kind of I guess talks about agony of Lafitte you know. and the Do Lafitte <laughs> don't fail me now. Yeah, yeah. Those and songs are so, okay. uh, great. They're they're interesting. Yeah, and even in the book, they're like, oh, they're really just like novelty yeah, songs. Yeah. Like, I th- they wanted to kind of start shedding that, I guess, the Electra. Uh, I mean, it's like no matter what you do, like even if I look at it as an adult, I feel like getting dropped from a major feels like you're dead. Yeah, the end of the world. Yeah, you're, you know? you're poisoned. But it's like, yeah, and, and it's like they also sent the record to merge at some point because, you know, they were just looking for something. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it took them because you said – I, I think I didn't realize that this record had been recorded like maybe around 98 or something. Yeah, they, I guess they like had been a, working on it for like two years and they sent it to to Mac and uh, Laura, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, in like February of 2000. And they're like, we'll put it out a year from now. So it came out in February yeah. 2001. So then they put out the Loveways EP that, they were like, give us like a couple more songs. We'll throw out an EP to like kind of rebrand you guys as like a merge band. So they put out the Loveways EP in the fall of 2000, and then Girls Can Tell hit, and I guess did really really well for like Spoon Two. This is like Spoon 2.0. It's like the Spoon Phase yeah. Two kickoff. Yeah. Yeah, which I I think I agree with you in the sense that it's it really does like is the birth of like the spoon that we kind of know up until this time and i do kind of have some questions like going through their discography mm-hmm. but i don't want to jump ahead yeah too far but why not um so okay so do you feel like you've kind of continuously listened to like all or most of their records yeah i, I feel like the one i don't i'm not familiar with the most is the first one tell telefono telefono however you want to say it yeah um i've listened to it a couple times but it's never really really clicked with me um there's maybe one or two songs on there that sometimes i'm like oh i like that one but um series of sneaks i same kind of thing there's a couple more that i really love like uh metal detector and um car radio are like some of my favorite spoon songs 
but girls can tell the, the the Mike McCarthy records, the four girls can tell up through Gaga Ga is like Spoon mm-hmm. Face Two, the four Merge records. Um, I feel like that's like kind of and I, honestly, everyone they've put out like the last four too. The I guess they the last four have been self produced. Um, like what Transference, which is super weird but very very interesting and has some great songs on it. Up through. Uh, they want my soul, um, hot thoughts, and the new one. What's the new one called? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucifer on the sofa. So, and that's kind of like fa- that's like phase three, right? Like they're, I mean, I think they're back on Matador now, which is wild. Go totally full circle. Um, and they had a Loma Vista one, I think too. But I was just saying, it's kind of like interesting to think of, like, okay, so if this is their kind of like flirting with kind of Motown, you know, garage rock mm-hmm. kind of record. What are the new records trying to do, do you feel like? I feel like now they're just putting out Spoon records. Like, they just n- ha- know their brand so well, and he knows how to write a Spoon song. So they are they kind of feel like self-parodies of themselves in both good ways and bad. I mean, I really like that new album. I think it's really great. But there's parts of it where it's like, oh, they're, they're just like playing the hits which is fine and i saw them um in philly on this past tour and they were amazing like they just they put on like talk about playing for and they think they played for like an hour and a half and it was just like all hits and then they played like a couple of the new songs but they're a legacy band now it's it's pretty sick that they've just like been able to build this catalog and exist and they'll be able to play until he doesn't want to play anymore so um, that's the yeah. dream, honestly, is like just create a catalog and yeah, a discography. And what do you feel? I mean, have you, did you see them like, I guess earlier or how many times have you seen Spoon? I think five or six times, I think. Um, I saw them. Yeah. The first time I was maybe a senior in high school, I forget where, I think it was somewhere in Philly or maybe at a music festival. I think maybe governor's ball. I saw them, but, um, I mean, every time I've seen them, they've just been... The band has changed a lot, too. Like, at this point, it was... It's been Britt, the singer, and Jim, the drummer, yeah. forever. Like, they're the only two people who've been in the band forever. And then they've... they I, I don't know if they have a joke about how many bass players they've had, but they've definitely had, like, a, a different bass player on every album, I think. And then the past, like, two and a half records, it's kind of been, like, the same, like four or five dudes um it's kind of interesting like them um i know you, you did an episode on wilco that's a great one with you and casey from virginity yeah but it's funny like wilco and spoon are like t- two of my favorite favorite bands and it's funny to like compare their careers because of, i mean i would say they are like two of the like best like american rock bands that are have like artistic careers, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That have like lasted since I don't know the early two or er, early nineties. Yeah. So I mean they've they've both put out like I don't know. I mean Wilco kinda has become like a old dad band. And like not to say Spoon's not, because they're um total like dad music too. He, Brits they're in their fifties. Yeah. 
but um yeah it's like unavoidable even just yeah. simply due to age yeah. like it's just it just is what it is yeah. you know well i i guess what i'm kind of getting at is uh i'm kind of pushing my own agenda so so i've actually played a show with spoon oh, and yeah, uh that's, that's yeah and cool. and like because you know i i kind of i guess the way i set this up is like you know i wasn't familiar when i was younger but there's a big period of time where i i did dig into like certain records mm-hmm. like and I did like this record a lot. Yeah. I feel like it's like, and I think when, because I was asking you like how you feel like they sound live. Now I feel like they're like, they're super tight live oh, yeah. in a way that I don't really think that these records sound like. Especially now where it's like a whole different, it's like a band. Like there's like five or six people on stage and like they all have their parts and they, it's like very composed. It's like a show. Like this record is like put together with like clothespins. It's just like the two guys. Like yeah. I think it was just like guitar and drums, like a lot of live stuff, and they would overdub bass. Like it, pretty ramshackle and um, all the Mellotron and stuff. Like it's pretty eloquently composed for like a couple dudes hanging out in their garage. But um, I think the guy they had producing it knew what he, Mike McCarthy knew what he was doing. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what's strange because I think when I when I saw them, I was like, "Wait!" It was almost like this band live doesn't sound anything like I'm used to Spoon because I feel like I, it's like I liked two or three records mm-hmm. and then kind of jumped off, yeah, you know? Yeah, and was like, "This is like a you know, it's, it feels like they're playing to a click live and the, they're just like in the zone. The bass and drum are just like on a different planet, like in a, in a way like a pop band. Yeah. Like when I saw. The rhythm section was comparable to like Carly Rae Jepsen's yeah. like live band, like tight in that dynamic that you expect. Like mm-hmm. you kind of have like to super be. duper pro, yeah, yeah, and not in a sense that it feels like it feels like on this record, and then the you know the McCarthy records that go after mm-hmm. this, like it feels like a band, you know, and it it didn't in that sense in like a live setting. And once again, I don't say that to any discredit. Mm-hmm of them it's just it's just a different thing so if you're thinking about their discography where do you feel like that changed uh on on record or in a live situation if you compare um it's definitely like post transference um because transference is like totally bonkers with its like total stripped like any kind of production quality is like out the window it's like post right the one right after the mccarthy ones and it's like before um they want my soul i feel like is when they start getting to like that kind of that's i mean it's so weird with streaming and how certain songs you know when the the thing with the pavement uh thing happened where it was like oh harness your hopes the lost b-side off uh that one i think it's on bright in the corners it like became the biggest pavement song just yeah um and like no one else knew it but like tiktok loved it so now yeah. it's like pavement's most famous song. It's not cut your hair it's anymore. It's like the Galaxy Five Hundred thing. Like it's uh like they're on like everything, and it's like this wasn't you know it's it feel like Galaxy Five Hundred was a band that it's like if you like this and this and this, yeah. and then someone might go, hey, you should check out Galaxy Five Hundred. Mm-hmm. But then it's like somehow sp- streaming and Spotify made them yeah, it's the biggest band of the era. <laughs> somehow because it's on every like i algorithm feel like if i get stuff. a playlist yeah. it's every algorithm yeah. and it's sort of like 
it's like sometimes at work, since I work in like concert posters, there's so many social distortion posters mm-hmm. that I'm like, do other people in my office think that like social distortion was like the biggest band, yeah. you know, in like the late nineties, yeah. you know? And it's like, they weren't, but it's like the amount of stuff I see, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, it kind of retells the story. Yeah. But I guess like, you know, back to spoon, it's like, I, I don't know. It's just, they, they had some shift. And once again, I'm not saying it's like a bad thing or not, but it's like sonically, I'm trying to figure out like what changed. I think it's so, uh, Inside Out is now their biggest, like you would think I turned my okay. camera on was like their biggest, like that's their that's their hit, right? In quotes, or that or the way we get by, maybe Underdog, right? Because Underdog was in some movies. I think it was in I Love You yeah. Man and maybe the credits of Step Brothers or something, I forget. But um, Inside Out has now became, become their like their biggest hit in also in quotes. Um, but it's like their highest streaming song by a, a wide margin, which is pretty insane. But I feel like that's the point where they kind of Im- like doubled down on being a, not a studio band, but um, a, like a high production value band where okay. they bring in that. I think it's Alex Fischel is the um, he's like the new keyboard slash guitar player who has been like basically Brit's co-writer, I think, on the last couple albums, at least like tone-wise and composition-wise, where they're like just adding like not even like like Mellotron and harpsichord, like on girls can tell, but like crazy synth work. Like Hot Thoughts is a, a dance pop record, which is kind of. I think that's what yeah. yeah what I'm what I'm kind of getting at. Like it does feel like it's like when I saw them when we played. Was that them, on Hot like, Thoughts? Uh, it would have been like 2019, I think we played I with think them. That was, yeah, uh, was potentially. Yep. Um, but 2017 actually. That was <laughs> what it was uh, around that time. Was, yeah, because uh, they want my soul was 2014, so that would have been hot thoughts. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you know, like it's yeah, because it really felt like a pop band, mm-hmm. and it was yeah. like, oh, I don't, I don't dislike this. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It was like when we're playing with them, like, had I? It's almost like, have I? Have I ever heard Spoon? Yeah. Like it's just it felt a lot like of a totally different band and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of thought it would have been like, you know, like I don't, just a band, mm-hmm. almost like you know, you get a big feeling of like him playing acoustic guitar, but he was like a front man, like keyboard. Yeah, and you know the thing, and it's like it's a, it's a pop band, mm-hmm. and like people are, well, I think on. If it wasn't like a makeup show, people yeah. I feel like people were having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I saw yeah. them on that, that and, tour too. Yeah, and I I think I I'm getting what you're saying is that that point was that's like kind of Spoon Phase Three, which I think kind of ends with the last one because the last one kind of felt like we're gonna sh- take all those those synthesizers out and we're just gonna play guitars and um it's still like pretty not produced but. The one, there's it was kind of funny to see people be like oh there's a Jack Antonoff co-write on the the newest album and I think his input was like very minimal but um, yeah. it's just funny to on the one song wild um I either you can find the Jack Antonoff mix of that song on YouTube but which you is, know at, at my age I'm like go off yeah you know like make it's your like, Jack Antonoff it, record yeah so I I know I've taking us on this little uh journey around trying to like i guess understand the whole discography so let's jump back to girls can tell yeah and um 
you know, just if you have like specific comments about certain songs or if you want to kind of take us on your own journey with it. Yeah, I I don't know where to start. I mean, um, like I said, it's, it just kind of feels like the first like official spoon as a spoon album, like certain little things like uh, there's a cover on this record, which becomes a theme that they they do. Like me and the bean is a, a cover by like one of his buddies. And it's always been like one of his buddies, which I think is really cool to like cover one of your friend's songs and put it on your, your record, which is not a thing. I mean, I feel like that's what bands did in the sixties, right? Like, I mean, yeah. they would cover standards and stuff, but and like the like the birds would cover Bob Dylan, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like me and the Beans on here, and then like Don't You Eva, which is on Gaga, is a cover, and then yeah, yeah. Um, I love me and the Bean. It's a really, it's a great. Um, and they're they're like the the kings of the mid tempo rockers too. There's a lot of a lot of those on here. Like, um, uh, what's the one? Da 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 da. Da, 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 da. Is that fitted shirt? Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That sounds like uh, sounds like Led Zeppelin in certain points. It really does. It made me yeah. think of. Uh, I mean, it's Led Zeppelin again, but yeah. it made me think of the uh, Puff Daddy Godzilla soundtrack song because that's always what that. Did song they sample is in Cashmere? Is that what you're thinking yeah. of? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just always think of that uh, Puff Daddy video oh, where yeah. actually uh, Jimmy Page is in. Oh, the, okay. In yeah. the end of the video, if you haven't watched that music video, that's yeah, like check that out. Peak excess, like yeah. One thing we don't really get um, anymore, really in any style. Like, I feel like the last time I remember a music video referencing the movie was probably vindicated by uh, Dashboard Confessional for like the. Sp- original spider-man 3 i know it's probably happened since then yeah but on a wide level i feel like that's the last time until well there's a rihanna song coming out on the uh wakanda forever soundtrack okay so maybe that's like a return to that but i feel like uh just kind of thinking once again led zeppelin i i am that's just a note i feel like that doesn't happen anymore yeah with all Um, this content integration these days why can't we get some music involved in it yeah, I don't know if it has to do with like licensing. Um, I'm the king of bringing us off topic, but for I saw this thing where it was like the Scooby Doo movie. They had uh, they had <laughs> they had a Burger King cup in the movie, but they didn't license it. So now when you watch the movie on like, HBO Max, it's a KFC cup. On in what movie? You know, in the Scooby. Oh, like, Scooby Doo. Okay, yeah, a Scooby Doo movie. So just kind of thinking of like potentially we don't have like music videos like that because that licensing probably has to stay the same kind of forever, you know? So, so I don't know. Yeah. The the thing that I I like kind of wrote down with this, this album and specifically was there. um, And we kind of talked about it earlier too. was like, cause it is a, it feels like a late twenties, like you're hitting 30 album. And there kind of feels like there's like a, a push and pull with like domesticity that um, kind of carries through a lot of the songs, like like songs like "Fitted Shirt," which is like about um, his dad and like watching his dad when he's young, like like go to work every day, like and wear like a business suit, and then like lines in the suit too. He I, he mentioned in interviews, Britt Daniel, that he was like he was like broke at this time, and after they got dropped, and he was like working bad temp jobs at banks and kind of like working through that like what should i do for the rest of should i like i'm gonna commit myself to 
making music and I don't want to do this kind of like nine to five stiff thing, which I, I kind of think is like the punk rock of, of this record. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think like, uh, what's interesting is like, while he was doing that, like his drummer was working during the day and then would record his drums at night. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, he was doing like computer chips or something like that. Like that's kind of like, that's like what his expertise is. I think even before they started the band, like he was kind of working towards being that kind of guy. So he, it feels like after the whole Electra thing fell apart, uh, from even like, it's just like the idea that he just kept writing. I don't know if they really even expected. Yeah to be spoon anymore Mm -mm. like they didn't you know but what's funny is jimino was kind of like i thought this would be like a a hump but you know we could get over it that's uh, i guess his positivity but it ended up breathing new life into the the band yeah Yeah. but brit daniel kind of was it seemed like didn't expect to be so was kind of surprised that this was going to be spoon is what it what it feels like uh but yeah that domesticity thing like it's just like Jim Eno had a family, yeah. had a house and like was working a job. So I think there are those kind of like parallels in like the music. And I guess like if you look at like being dropped by a major, it's like that could have easily been it. Yeah. You know, totally. like, or th- and this could have, if this band kept existing, it could have become a different band. Like just almost like, I don't know. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was just like Brit Daniel after this, you know, but it's like for some reason they just felt like they needed to keep doing Spoon. Yeah. They probably which, just worked you know, it's like really the, well together. Yeah. 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 Like their lawyers were like, you should change your band name. <laughs> like, nah, we like it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because I feel like it's like I, 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 I've been in a band for like 12 years. And there are points where it's like we probably should have changed the band. I've thought of that the same, same <laughs> thing like every day because I I yeah. I mean I didn't pick our band name. I'm it's fine. It's whatever. But I probably should have changed. But now I'm stuck with it and just keep rolling. So that's kind of what yeah. they did. Yeah. I guess if it worked for them, I mean you know yeah. <laughs> what's selling because of what like Gaga Gaga sold like three hundred thousand or more records. Yeah. Like this is in. Like, this is a turning point, but this isn't even, like, their biggest, girls can tell, isn't yeah. even, like, their biggest one. Build, building yeah. a catalog, keep working, yeah. Right. Yeah, but I guess, like, other, if you have other notes about other songs, you know. Yeah, just other things, just um, kind of going off that, too, which, um, like, the, the push-pull, because um, it has the push, but it also has, like, the pull with, like, maybe the most beautiful actual love song that he's written in Anything You Want which I, it's like totally heartbreaking. Um, I don't know. Just he's not a guy who writes. I mean, I guess there's some in the later records, like I Summon You, or, um, but he doesn't really write love, like actual emotional love songs. But Anything You Want is one that like has, that might be my favorite Spoon song. Yeah. I think one thing, and this could just be not being like the biggest Spoon person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I still am like, who is Brit Daniel? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like with these, like even the love songs don't really feel like they're yeah. like love songs. There's kind of a wall in that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and I, 
I mean, every band nowadays on like Twitter is too much of one person probably, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and it's like, I don't really feel like looking at the social media. It's like, you know, it's all kind of a business, Mm -hmm. you know, like even like when you look at like Super Chunk, it's like their bands have become extensions of themselves. But it's like, I guess this, this guy just likes writing songs. (laughs) It's probably like, we don't get him as a person because he's just like so tuned into the craft I, and i think that's what it comes down to is like just the total craft of like how how can we make this like kind of weird thing i made like evolve to the best of its potential and um that's kind of like how spoon has progressed i think i don't know it's it's pretty cool how um their their songs are put together cuz they're kind of like puzzle boxes like there's so many just like little things, especially this album. Girls can tell too. It's like there's so much space. It like feels like really like open in a way where there's like just a guitar coming in on this part, and then like just the bass. Like everything hits at once too, right off the bat. It's just you hear every little thing kind of bouncing off each other, and in, in a really cool yeah. way. I think it's really interesting in that because I feel like. Even records at the time, but especially now, people are afraid of kind of leaving those spaces. Like, I sometimes wish I had better references, but like when I think of like U2, mm-hmm. like there's so much like space on those early records yeah. in ways that I feel like I always kind of strive mm-hmm. for. Like, it's like it's such a hard thing to just kind of like let a part breathe. Yeah. You know, like you always it's... feel like in the recording process, you want to just like throw shit at that's it, you know? that's something that i've really struggled with because i'm just like when we were mixing our new album i was just like the the guy who was mixing it for us was just like you, you got all these great ideas but you have too many it's like stuffed full like there's no room to let anything breathe so um we had to like kind of take some parts out and it already sounds like maybe too stuffed so it's like that's something that i'm working on personally when it comes to music is kind of letting things give give the space to things that really need it and letting things breathe and not over cramming the box too full yeah and i guess do you feel like this record uh succeeds in that way girls can tell like or exile main street yeah. by the tisbury's <laughs> well uh girls can tell um yeah absolutely i mean that's it's kind of um and i think i said this near the top too but um uh I love discographies. I love like a third album in a catalog. Mm-hmm. Like so when we were writing um Exile on Main Street, the new Tisbury's album, it's our third album. So I was kind of looking at like my favorite third albums and like what those bands did on their third albums, like Born to Run or I don't know. Um Girls Can Tell, uh I'd say the suburbs, but I can't say the suburbs anymore cuz they <laughs> Yeah, Fuck that guy. Um, just like certain reference points, it's like what does a band do on Modern Vampires of the City? I don't know. Like, there's so many like th- of my favorite third albums. I'm like looking at the walls to try and remember some to throw off the top of the the dome here. But uh, yeah, where like succeeding in space or like where to? Yeah, just really kind of um, focusing certain. Instead of over cramming it with ideas, focusing the best ideas, right? Not every idea is great, right? I mean, you might mm-hmm. think it is because you, you, they're your babies. You write them, right? So, but maybe th- taking the time to consider is like, oh, do we really need that other part? Or can we like 
kind of suck that out so we can like let the other ones breathe and let them make the song the best it can be right because that yeah at the end of the day that's all you really got to do yeah and i i guess i don't know i'm obsessed with this idea especially i think since uh since i'm currently in like the middle of recording a record yeah um i'm like is this record recorded to a click the girls can tell yeah um probably not i feel like it sounds like it is because jim you is really 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 good at keeping in time it's probably because he's got computer chip brain but um i bet you it was i bet you they cut it in the garage to like a four track and then they played to that yeah yeah because i know there's that that story of like him going to like a college campus and like recording some like piano parts and then bringing them back and i'm like they probably unless they probably (laughs) had live like tapes that they made of the song so they they played the songs live. They knew the structures of the songs. And then they would record over that, overdub. Like, let's overdub the real drums. Let's And then kind of build it up. And they were doing it all on tape, right? So mm-hmm. it's, you. I don't really know how tape works, but I know it's, you can't just like edit like you can on a computer. So, um, yeah, there was like, I, yeah, I'm not completely sure about tape, but I know it's like they took like the, one inch tape or whatever it is uh and then they put it in the computer and correct me if i'm wrong and then essentially like then brought it back out on two inch tape yeah like a process that i think they kind of stopped doing that when like the actual producer came in to kind of help them like get to the finish line but i thought that was interesting because it's like why would you kind of shift from analog to digital and then back to analog unless you just purposely wanted it to end up having a tape sound but then it also has to go back to digital eventually anyways so it's it seems like how i would work on a record but i wouldn't assume that the way i'm working on anything is the right way yeah you know (laughs) to kind of like hear that whatever they did it worked because i think this this sounds the best out of any of the spoon albums i mean kill the moonlight is it's pretty it's a year later right it's 2002 so these they're kind of like sibling albums but um i think the, the not that the tunes are better on this one but i think they just resonate with me more but honestly like a year from now i could be like kill the moonlight's actually my favorite spoon album so yeah and is that record as heavy on uh, it's like like piano it's uh, more keys. it's like more piano like straight up piano cuz it's like way we get buys on there um there's also some more experimental like stuff and more acoustic guitar there's less like the chunky electric um just like one note like like i don't know how to explain it without playing the guitar yeah um, yeah it's like all the even though all the piano parts like uh all the kind of key stuff it's just that kind of choppy kind of yeah like you know you would like if you were doing it on guitar mm-hmm. you're just kind of dang, yeah dang, he doesn't really dang, play dang, chords kind of same. on the piano or the guitar it's all like single note movement stuff which is really cool um (laughs) there's not a lot of like just strum full open chords that happens yeah and with this being a 36 minute long record which isn't long in any respect Mm -hmm. do you feel like is there like a song you would cut um the instrumental i guess i don't know what is a book is a movie uh 
I'm like not crazy. I mean, it's cool. It's like a a, a vibe thing, right? So if it was if it was his artistic choice to put it on there, like then that's that's the album. So I I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I really cut anything. I, re- I just yeah. I mean, it feels kind of weird to kind of set a vibe yeah. that late in the record. Yeah, like it's like if you had an instrumental halfway through, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of like resetting it almost yeah, like, if, like if that was the end of a side B. Yeah, you know, it feels like it could off make the next sense. Side, yeah, yeah, because everything feels like pretty like mm-hmm. they're like on a mission. Like you know, there's not a lot yeah. of like. It feels like they were almost like writing to be on the radio or just in a sense of like they weren't like exploring any kind of parts longer than they needed to you know like there's that story with like the previous record they even had like shorter songs it was like the song was like a minute and a half or a minute 45 yeah. and the label made them make it longer that's and like so they had to like add like shit. yeah <laughs> yeah so that's kind of more on the trip so you know it's like i don't feel like they're never really a band to me unless they do this later on. Uh, in this era, I don't feel like they have like extended jam parts. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that comes later. That comes with like the, yeah, the yeah. produced stuff. So it's, but it's all just like synthy vibe, tone painting. I don't know, but yeah. I'm a fan of everything they've they've done. Really, I don't know. How do you feel like it uh, influences your writing, or does it directly, like this record or just Spoon as a whole? So, yeah, totally. On the new um, album, Exile Main Street, there's a song called uh, On the Run in Harmony, New Jersey, where for the chorus, I mean, that song, I I feel like when I was coming, writing it, it was like, oh, this kind of feels like a Spoon song. So the chorus to that song, we really wanted to like kind of bring it up to a a different level and kind of get a vibe change. And um, there there's uh, Believing is Art on this album, the drums in the chorus for that song we literally just like took them right out because there's like we t- borrowed them from the spoon song directly just because there's no symbols right it's just like tom like boom boom bat like tom yeah. snare motion which and th- like stuff like that where you're kind of doing the not orthodox thing like you're not hitting like a ride and going through the you want the chorus to be big but you don't want it to be big and splashy like you want it to kind of like kind of big but like kind of hollowed out you know does that make sense yeah 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 totally um but yeah and there like a couple things um there's a song on our last record uh sun goes down the song's called walk away um and that song too i feel like kind of it's kind of different for like what we do where it's kind of not bluesy but like the it's kind of has that big like home depot style riff or something, or kind of like a Black Keys frat bro rock riff. Okay, I was I was like I was gonna ask what you meant by that. Yeah, but that's a um, Home Depot stuff. Yeah, but for me it was that's what other people have said to me. They're like, oh, I really like that cool riffy bluesy song. It sounds like Black Keys, and I'm like, eh, it was supposed to be a spoon song, so maybe we weren't that ex- successful with that. But there's like specific like chord stuff that happens in that song too, where it's kind of chromatic down i feel like he brit daniel uses that a lot too but i feel like he just steals that from the beatles right so yeah yeah um yeah so it all it all comes back to that but um yeah you know, what's the one song on oh don't make me a target is that's the whole song is just a chromatic walk down the the guitar which he does that a lot so i think there's a certain thing like the tisberries like doing uh and i i like it as well with like the type of music i like 
where I feel like growing up, it's like I knew I liked you know Young, and I knew I liked Tom Petty, mm-hmm. and honestly, I knew I liked like traveling Wilburys. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like where I feel like I've come around where I'm like, nah, I'm cool with that's who I am. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so I don't know what I'm really saying to you about you, but do you do you feel like you've had that kind of growth with it, or you've just always been comfortable there? Yeah, I, th- I think it, it's like following your your influences and your impulses and not uh like not to say like not doing what's cool but just like what do what's cool to you right so like yeah if you like to if you like this kind of music you're gonna make this kind of music if you want to try something different because you think that's cool that's like yeah let's let's try that let's let's kind of evolve but also be ourselves in a way that um if you want to strum out and do big, fat acoustic guitar all over a song, it's like, yeah, that's fucking cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's like, I don't feel like my band's ever been like super popular or anything like that or really popular at all. But it's it's just like, I don't think I could be popular if I tried mm-hmm, because it's yeah. just, I feel like I'm just being me. Hey, you, you guys <laughs> and, got to open for Spoon. You're definitely more popular than us. Okay, yeah. 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 But like, it's like, it's like, if I even knew, because I, I feel like I've had friends bands that have been able to like kind of hit a sound and go with it, mm-hmm. you know, and but I also I'm like, but I think that's authentically them. And that's that's like what I mean. I'm just kind of riding that home. Um, it's just like I feel like I can't help but be this person of myself. And it's like I think it's better to embrace it. Yeah. You know, than kind of like trying to chase whatever it is. Like I never really felt comfortable completely in like. Even like I said earlier, like listen to power violence because it's like it's not melodically like where my brain lives mm-hmm. as much as I like it. So yeah. it's simply like when I sit down to write a song, I can teach myself certain things and mm-hmm. obviously progress as a songwriter. Yeah. But certain things kind of come out of you. Yes. You know, like no matter what you do, they just feel like coded in your DNA. Totally. I know what you mean. You know, yeah. And I, I feel like what I'm all that to say, like, I feel like I hear that in your music and I hear that in your new newest album. Like, it's like, you know, those kind of like touchstones to like a American songbook, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but not like not that you're trying to kind of wear it. It's just you. Yeah, and like yeah, I feel like it. It kind of it takes like I, I'm really proud of this last one. I think it's our our best one yet. I think our old ones are kind of sounds great. Thank you so much. It, I, and it like it it took a while to like kind of. I, I still think we're still figuring it out when it comes to like our voice or whatever the sound. It's it's like it's kind of like spoon, right? You're just like pulling from so many different things and trying to figure out your voice and what kind of music you like to make and it's it's not going to happen like i i love a lot of bands that only have like one or two albums but usually those bands are like super superhumans like i i can't even think of any off the top of my head but the the bands that truly stick with me are the ones that like build a catalog over time and like evolve with like within their own story right that are not like oh this is they're doing anything too far out of field but bands like wilco that's like oh what's the third wilco album oh summer teeth like that wilco doesn't sound like summer teeth anymore but they were just following their their thing right i don't know and then they do yankee and it's like blow the whole fucking roof off the shit so i don't know yeah i like the idea of like you know bands 
I feel like we're kind of conditioned to kind of like appreciate almost like bands that kind of like blow up and then disappear. Yeah. And it's like, that's not the story of like most music. Mm-hmm. No. You know, it's like, you know, just the idea of, I mean, Spoon's the, the best example of it. They just like, they didn't have many reasons to like keep doing it mm-hmm. if you're looking at like the story of music as a documentary thing, but yeah. they did, you know, and they just kind of grinded at it. Mm-hmm. And I think that those type of discographies, like you were saying, like are super rewarding. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Even, I think what's interesting about like having a discography that's like 13 records deep yeah. is you're almost like allowed to have a stinker yeah totally you know? <laughs> and that can be fun yeah. and it can also be fun and interesting for people to like recontextualize mm-hmm. that so you get like a you what people with like rich long discographies um you get to have like different conversations within it mm-hmm. yeah. that you can't have with like the what could have been with yeah. like, i guess like nirvana for lack of a better thing it's like mm-hmm. i don't know i think that they would have been you would have they would have been selling albums in like Starbucks and having like Christmas albums totally. and stuff eventually. Yeah. It's just realistically. That's just what happened. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, when a band is able to kind of like keep going mm-hmm. and kind of like growing or changing even in ways that I don't, I might not like, mm-hmm. but I still feel like that story is interesting. Those are always my favorite bands. Those are like record collector bands, which are always my, my favorite. So like go deep yeah yeah and i love i feel like i love the idea of like i've gotten comfortable with it because i used to hate it when i was younger like even the type of band that it's like you would potentially see them at like the waterfront and like town you know Mm -hmm. and they're a good band but it's almost like it's interesting to me like where a band goes after people kind of start quote unquote giving they stop giving a shit Mm -hmm. you know and then it's like i remember years ago like uh we played with this guy that he his job was working for Cracker. And he was like, Cracker basically won't play venues. At that point, they've kind of come back around to yeah. it. But they were just essentially playing every town's like waterfront okay. type thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that was like their living. And they were probably making like a really amazing living. Yeah. And even like when you think about people like I don't know, Matthew Sweet comes to mind. Okay. It's like that's a good one. Yeah. There's a point there's a point where people stopped kind of caring in the same way mm-hmm. but it's not to say these people didn't keep making good music or putting on good shows and it's like when matthew sweet comes to town like i feel like he can still feel like a 500 cap or more yeah so who's to say because mm-hmm. that, that's clearly not not successful you know but sort of the, the, the story yeah. yeah the story that like these kind of spoon things would tell you yeah. is like the band was done mm-hmm and it's like if they had listened to that, we wouldn't have had Girls Can Tell. Yeah. I think is like the, my long-winded way of getting to that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't have had any of these. Yeah. Yeah. So before I truly let you go, it's been an honor you know, talking with you. Like I said, Likewise. Thank really you. love the new record. Uh, it's like kind of actually I feel like I've been using it as like a reference to like what our next record could be in Hell a yeah. sense of like because I feel like with our last record we did like I feel like it was our less is more kind of record. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't like we try to take out as much as we could that wasn't unnecessary. And like, but I'm like when I'm thinking of like, oh, I kind of want to go back and put. I want to put more stuff in it so it just feels like it's like bigger and you know it's like your record has horns and things on it. And I'm like, I feel like I've been using it as like a touchstone yeah. of like I hope I can. 
do a little bit of this because it, it sounds great. Thank you, you know? so much. Yeah. So so before I let you go, though, uh, where can people find you? And I guess if you want to kind of mention where they can find your record. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Tisburys, uh, T the underscore Tisburys, and all your on your social stuff, and yeah, Tisburys.bandcamp.com. You can go. We got CDs and a um, bunch of other shit, and then yeah, on all your streaming platforms too. And I don't know. Yeah, Exile on Main Street. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it's funny that uh, the people I've seen that you've shared in the in the group chat that we're all in together, uh, the Power Pop group chat. Yep. If I have to mention yeah, it by name, shout out uh, the people that have been like up in arms with you calling uh, Exile, you know, Exile on Main Street, and yeah. be being the fact that I feel like that is a rock and roll conversation. Uh, it's part of the fun. I feel like right? that's think what people have done for like if you even think about replacements being like a version of a band that's done it that like that what's that like 30 years ago now yeah yeah like people have been doing it like like, it's been done a million times like it's not that yeah just no one's been like oh let's steal the stones one like because i mean i guess the replacement stole the beatles one but it's like girls can tell is named after a phil Spector song like yeah bring it all full circle here what the crystals Yeah, yeah yeah um but it's just like a, it's like rock and roll mythology shit. It's fun. That's like part of what I love about music. So, I don't know. I, I yeah, it it feels like what it actually feels like the appropriate name for the record because it feels like it is like a that kind of ode to rock in that sense. Mm-hmm. Like it feels yeah. like a good, it's a good title. So I don't. People are just too serious. Yeah, <laughs> especially like Stones fans who it's like that thing where it's like you they i don't know they're all really old and uh just buy into whatever bullshit i the stones don't care they have so much money they reissue eight live shows a year on triple xl blue and gold vinyl they don't fucking give a shit that we stole their yeah. fucking album name and i love that album exile on main street and it's both a tribute and a middle finger, and who cares? It's fun, and shout out to Main Street Music, where I work, where the album t- name actually comes from. But uh, yeah, it's fun. Welcome back. Thanks again to Tyler for coming on the pod. It was a pleasure to chat with. Check out the newest album from the Tisberries, Exile on Main Street, directly from the band and wherever you stream music. Okay, next time we're talking with my longtime friend, Scotty Sandwich of Sandwich Shop Studios, and currently of the band Wolves, 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 Wolves. Say that a bunch of times fast. Check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spendingoutpod. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spendingoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Thanks as always to Sarah for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.